He says, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? I think that's a really good, right? Like you can take it in a way that's like, that's kind of comical, but also when you look at it, like, you know, for him, sometimes he's just 15 minutes too late for me. Not because we agreed that he was going to be home at that time, but just because I'm struggling on that particular day. And it's going to make our relationship a lot stronger if he just observes me and notices and and jumps in to start helping because, hey, something's up with this woman. I don't know what it is, but. You are listening to Committed, an ongoing conversation about marriage, intimacy, relationships, and sex. So today I, I definitely have something that I wanted to discuss and that is called gaslighting Mm. and it came up on my TikTok and so I thought that it would be really great to discuss that. So it came up on my TikTok because I posted a video. I will post videos pretty routinely about connecting to your partner and tuning into your partner's emotions and what's beneath their complaints. So in heterosexual relationships, typically women have more complaints than we see men, right? Men are coming to sessions. In my experience, in my therapist experience and other therapist experience, they're like, I'm good. And even if they're not good. So in in many of those cases, they're not sweating the small stuff, right, to them. They're not bringing things up. They're just letting it go. Inside, they may be fuming, and I think a lot of times that then comes up for men when they leave their wives, and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just not in love with you. I don't want to be in this relationship. That's a whole other conversation for another time, but women are bringing the complaints oftentimes to these heterosexual relationships, and they are topics that I think men in their relationships believe are trivial. And they are wondering, why are you bringing this up? And so. Like what? What are some really common? uh, Well, the one that I was actually going to use as an example today is your partner gets home late and you wanted them home earlier. And so what actually happened is I posted one of my videos and I got a genuine question from a follower, which was, what if I told my partner that I would be home at a certain time and I was home at that time or I was home earlier, but I walk in and they start screaming at me that I'm home late. So the initial reaction from many partners who are not emotionally attuned to their other partner and their thinking in their individualistic mindset, which we do do that at certain times in our in our day, in our lives. And then we can jump into partnership mode. And for partners who are more highly attuned to their other partner, uh, their partner's going to report that they experience probably more pleasure and contentment in their relationships because they know this person is with me. They're by my side. They uh, understand what I need. They understand who I am on a regular basis. I had a client who, 
in the past had complained that her husband just didn't know what she wanted sexually. That's so funny to say the word sexually because I can't say that on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like physical intimacy when you're getting it on, when you're doing it. I try to stay away from those words because you get silenced. But she wanted her husband to just know how to please her in the bedroom, the ways that she wanted to be touched. And I explained to her multiple times that there is no way for him to just know, right? And I think she was looking for him to be experienced and so he would just know how to touch her and how to have how to um, see her experience that pleasure. And the reality is even if you are the most experienced person sexually, each couple – partner has to advocate for what they want because where one person wants, you know, their clitoris rubbed very vigorously because that is super pleasurable to them. Another one might want light touch or, you know, touch, not even touching the clitoris, but just on the sides of it. Right. So Mm. I had explained that, but there is a piece of this where I want to validate this person in, and I haven't worked with this person for a long time. I want to validate them in, yes, we do want our partners to generally know and genuinely know about us, right? It's those silly little examples that I was telling my husband last night, you know, a elderly person says about their partner, oh, that's, that's how she is, or nope, she only likes this brand, or he likes when I do it this way, or dinner's on the table at this time, or Whatever it is, you get used to who your partner is and how they are and you move into this level of acceptance where, yeah, that's just how you are. Not for things that are struggles in your relationship that you need to work out, but there are certain little nuances of your partner that you just become accustomed to and you accept about them. And so- So gaslighting. Yeah, so this so now to kind of get into that. So this comment came on one of my videos where one of my followers was genuinely asking, "What do you do if you get home late and I'm sorry, you get home on time, the time that you told your partner and they are mad and they are screaming at you." So, of course, screaming at you. Whoa, that's that can be very people can get flooded by that very quickly. And by flooded, I mean like an inability to really process what's going on and it can be, it can feel very intense. So I hope that that's not happening. And I think there's a lot more going on there if that is the case. But if you get home and let's say your partner is irritated that you weren't home earlier, let's say, and you said you were going to get home at six and you got home at 5.55 and you walk in and they say you're late, So the reality here is that you're not technically late if you arrive home earlier, but is it then productive to share with your partner, well, that's not correct. I got home before I said I was going to get home, and so technically I'm early, I'm not late. And I encouraged my followers to understand that from a different perspective because when I talk to clients about their relationships, I'm working with them a lot on productivity. Is that going to be productive? 
Is that going to be uh, received? Can we, we can't change our partner's emotions. So if, if our partner's upset when we walk in, the first thing I would ideally want the other partner to do, regardless of the fact that they got home on early or on time, is like, whoa, something must be going on for you right now. I see that you're really upset. Oh my gosh, I care that you're upset. That's not typically what happens. It's typically like you get into an argument like, or you dismiss that. That's ridiculous. Why would you be upset about that? I'm home early. And and what we're aiming to do there is we're actually gaslighting them. We're saying, I'm going to manipulate your reality of what's going on because their reality is that, you know, whatever the situation, they're late and you're causing some kind of disruption in their emotional balance. And so to say there's absolutely no reason to be upset about that, they're saying to themselves, I'm upset, but then my partner's saying I shouldn't be upset, but I can't control whether I'm upset or not. Now, we can control our actions to a certain extent, except when we're triggered, and that's, again, another topic for another day. But we can't control the way that we feel. We can work with the way that we feel. We can validate. So if our partner walks in and says, oh my gosh, you're really upset. It, well, tell me more about what's going on for you right now. And it seems so therapy-like. And I think a lot of people think this sounds maybe stupid because you're really getting down on their level and you're saying oh my gosh, like we need to connect. Like clearly something has, is happening for you that's making you feel upset um, instead of just going on the facts that you know. And then someone commented, so someone, so someone commented and said, well, wouldn't, wouldn't you be gaslighting them by saying, you know, you're manipulating their reality that you're saying they're late, but they're not. And I think that's true to some extent, you know, obviously there's, and I, and I think this is important too, there's a lot of like cognitive distortion going on if you're like looking at the time and you're not seeing, but I think it's just, there's so much more that's deeper than that. Okay. Like why, why were they upset? They must've been having a really bad day. They must've been having a really hard time. I could think of a million reasons, right? Mm. I'm trying to get dinner cooked and my kids are fighting or I'm trying to, you know, give them a bath and somebody's having a tantrum or everybody's crying or I'm rushing because I need help and I have to work that night. Or I just had a really bad day and now I need to meet my children's emotional needs and I need emotional support. So I need my partner home with me. There's a million reasons why. Does it matter at the end of the day if your partner got wrong that they said that they were going to be home at a certain time and then they weren't? At the end of the day, if you really care about your relationship, that doesn't, the details don't matter at all. And I'm writing about this in my book right now. Like I think the chapter is called It's All in the Details. And then I and then I said at the beginning of the chapter, I completely call bullshit on that because it's really not. We'll go back and forth so often with our partners, like, no, you said this and this is what you said. And you know what, five minutes and 30 seconds, this is what happened. Like, it's like who why are we doing that? What is it doing for us? It's like we're in a courtroom or we're in a classroom. So are we trying to teach our partners a lesson? Is that what we're doing? 
or are we trying to win an argument? Are we, are we becoming the defendant? Are we, are we becoming the judge in this scenario? None of those roles build intimacy. And that's my concern with people. And that's why they continue to go back and forth because they look at their role in partnership as something that it's not. And truly our only role in partnership is to be there for our partner and receive love in return. So support our partner, give love, experience pleasure together, and then give that in return, right? We're not like we may serve the role of mentor to our partner at some moments where it feels safe, but we attach to each other. Why? Because we're, we're getting something that is supposed to feel warm and juicy and fuzzy. And it doesn't always feel like that at every moment in our relationship, but I truly believe that's why we would seek out connections with other people. Well, going back to the gaslighting itself, so do you experience uh, a lot of your clients talking about gaslighting between their partners? The label, no. I don't think that they label, they don't say my partner was gaslighting me because I think that some of my clients don't have the language. And I think that's fine too. I don't think having all of the language of coaching and therapy is necessary. But yeah, I do believe they experience that all the time. And it can be for a multitude of reasons. A couple of the reasons are, number one, their partner doesn't want to be wrong, right? Because that means something about them. It means that they're not that they're not good enough. What if it's true that your partner got home late because they just didn't give a shit? Like, wow, that would really, that would really suck. So what if your partner had to sit with the fact that they didn't care? And it, what it would it mean that maybe they were a bad person? It's hard to sit with that. So when, you know, if you're my husband and you get home late and I call you out on that, or you get home at a time that's tough for me because I'm struggling personally and you decide I'm going to take that personally and I'm going to fight with you till the break of dawn about how I'm not home late, it's hard for you to accept that if perhaps some, if, if perhaps you were home late, then you may not have cared. And so you would have to sit with that, you know, maybe uh, selfishness or, I don't know, not caring um, enough. Maybe you're not a good person. So that's like why people get defensive in general. The other thing that I'll see is they, and honestly, I think to the core, it's the same thing. They don't want to see their partner upset. They're uncomfortable with the emotion of sadness, of anger. Obviously, there are a plethora of other emotion words that could be used, but in simplest form, it's so uncomfortable to see my partner this way, and so I'm going to people please. I'm always going to make mm. sure that I'm never you know, doing the wrong thing. I'm never doing something that's going to upset my partner because I can't handle what it means about me if I do that. So I think it's a lot more productive to accept that, hey, we're not always going to be perfect. And someone also asked the question, well, what if I leave at 5.30 from work, but my partner just wants me to leave at five? Should I just tell my boss to F off? Well, 
obviously not. You can't do that or you're not going to have a job. Yeah. But how do you approach your partner in that situation? It's like, oh, that would have been, that would be so much better for you if I got home at five, wouldn't it? It sucks that I get home at 530 because by 530, you're pulling your hair out. Like the kids are running mad. You're in the middle of dinner. We're trying to sit down at 545 and essentially only a 15 minutes when I walk in. So now we have to eat, you know, half frozen food or burnt meal or it's just completely not ready and we're always late for bedtime. Like that would suck mm. to be you in that situation. And I I hear that. And there's nothing I can do about the time that I get home because my boss requires that we stay until 5.30. But I really love you and I want to figure out some way that we can, I can help you. And what, how could we do that? Do you have any solutions that you think would work? And it's like you're then inviting your partner to say, okay, yeah, that's true. You can't. You can't just change the time that you leave work. It's like it's it's opening a conversation, but a lot of times it's just closing. Like, what do you expect from me? What do you want from me? I hear a lot. What do you want from me? I, nothing I ever do is good enough. I hear that one a lot too. Mm-hmm. So that was really my purpose. Mm, okay, good. So, I mean, the, the the conversation you just had hypothetically sounded wonderful. It doesn't seem like a very common conversation that most couples would have. It's going to be more of the, what do you want from me? Yeah, like I could see that as the common one. Leave me alone, woman. It's not going to be the, oh, I hear you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because because it's easy to get defensive. Super easy, I mean, yeah. I think based on the different responses we have to conflict, I think defensiveness is the most common. Mm. Like the Gottmans have four horse minutes, criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. So defensiveness is so easy, right? Criticism happens often off the cuff, like little comments, criticizing. Can you just bring the sponge out? Honestly, I don't even think that's – I think it's criticizing, but – there are ways to provide helpful feedback to your partner. And so then on the other end of this, the partner who's so upset that their partner is getting home at a certain time when they needed them earlier, there's certainly a place for that partner to also grow. Because your partner that's walking in from work, and obviously this is just one example, but your partner that's walking in from work can't receive you as well if you are just yelling at them or you're completely shutting down. They often don't know where to go or what to do. But what I find with a lot of couples is they go through this exercise so frequently that by the time they get to me, they're like, oh yeah, nope. I've sat down with them plenty of times and told them what I actually need and they just refuse to meet my needs. They're just doing other stuff. And so then there's more of a conversation with the other partner of, okay, you've had these clear conversations. I, I had a conversation today with my therapist about a clear ask that I had of my husband and it wasn't responded to over the next few hours in the way that I had wanted it to. And so there, 
And it can be frustrating, right? Then it comes down to maybe a conversation of, so we've had this conversation so many times. And, you know, that wasn't the case with this one, but I think for a lot of people, they've had the conversation so many times. And for some reason, the partner is either not getting it, not understanding it, or they're not able to absorb it in some way. And so there's other work that has to be done. And sometimes that's, Sometimes that's trauma work. Sometimes that's having some real talk about the consequences. Like if you guys keep going forward like this, what could that mean for your relationship? Like reasonably. And I think what it all comes down to in summary is what type of relationship do you really want to have? Yeah, it's really hard to have conversations like that, like you were saying a couple minutes ago. Mm -hmm. But what are you looking for? What, what do you want? What When people look at you across a room and see you and your partner interacting, what do you want them to see? Like, what do you envision? And I think that's important. Like, for me, I want, if people are looking at myself and James across a room, I want them to be like, those, those two look like they're really in love with each other. Like that's what it looks like. Like they really want to be together. Like I like to mm-hmm. hold hands and not everyone wants this or needs this. And it's not always like this in my relationship, but I do want that. Like when we're sitting together, I want us to be looking into each other's eyes as we're talking to each other and doing, you know, having our own thing going on. Do your clients typically say something like that? Like how do they respond to that exercise? The exercise of what they want in their relationships. Yeah, if they saw themselves uh, across the room, well, what, what do they want to see? Mm. That's a really good question. I actually haven't gone through that exercise with them before, to be honest. I think it's a great exercise. I mean, that's a beautiful sort of like visualization of where you want your relationship to be. Yeah. It's funny because I do that naturally for myself, but I haven't really had that. I haven't used that as an exercise, but it certainly is, that would be very helpful to do. So maybe I will start instituting it. Well, I guess another question I have here is the question you asked before that, which was, if I can remember correctly, it was, what is our relationship going to look like if we continue down this path? Mm. A lot of people say we're not going to be together. I don't yeah. want to be in this relationship anymore. I want wow. to, yeah. By the time they get to you, they're pretty much like at the end of the line, aren't they? So a lot of the people that come to me for some reason are at the end. They're like, I'm, I've already filed for divorce or I'm, I have the papers or I'm going to file. This is the last ditch effort. A lot of people that come to me. And I really enjoy working with people like that because it's a challenge and I typically can see, yeah, your relationship can work. You just have to change, make some really big changes in the way that you're approaching things. And, but it takes a lot, it does take, a, you have to have commitment. I have to have commitment from clients because it takes a lot. Yeah. And probably both, both parties have to agree that this is what they want. They want to save this relationship. Mm. Yeah, that's the other thing. It has to be both parties. They have to really want it. 
I do have some strategies for working with one person in the couple if the other person is not agreeable or they're not motivated. And there are ways to, as a partner, make yourself more attractive to your other partner. Because what I see a lot of times is that the one partner who wants to work on it is coming off as very unattractive to their other partner. And by that, I don't mean like physical beauty. I mean the way that they are communicating, the way that they are dealing with conflict, the way that they are or are not taking care of themselves independently, the way that they are focusing so heavily on the relationship that their other partner cannot breathe. That's where I see and the other partner going away and saying, yeah, I'm just done. I just don't think that I want to do this anymore. And I was in that position once with So you asked the question of when people come to me, they're at the end of the line or the consequence for not making any sort of forward moving progress in their relationships. What are they, what are they looking to? Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of times what it is, or many partners will live in a shutdown state in their relationships for a certain period of time. And certain couples can just do that. They, they honestly can just go through. And I think also like when people have kids, they can do that because they're so focused on their kids that they just go through the motions and then they just go to sleep, wake up, take care of the kids, go to work and then just do it on repeat for years. But then it, there comes a point where you're sitting there with each other and your kids are not all over you and you're anymore. And you're like, Oh wait, what are we, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like having kids destroys relationships. Is that what I'm hearing? Definitely doesn't strengthen them. <laughs> no. Well, it sounds like everyone I know that have kids, they, they would say something similar as soon as the kids are born that becomes like the highest priority generally. And then your partner becomes like your co-parent slash roommate often, not always, but oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that true? That's really depressing. Like that's sad. Mm. Children are completely dependent on you and you only have so much energy and so much time. And so by the end of the day, you've given everything you have to your kids a lot of times and to your work and that takes everything that you have and also if you do extracurriculars it's like you're choosing do I pay attention to my partner do I focus on the time with my partner or do I experience my extracurricular activity and so when you choose it's like it's really hard to find that balance because also a lot of times for a lot of parents you just drop whatever you were doing on the side. You're like, I can't go to yoga. Just realistically, I had a friend. I She was rushing home to breastfeed her baby. And I totally get that. To go to an hour and a half yoga class, that's a long time to be away plus driving time. It just doesn't feel like it's worth the stress of it because there's this internal, at least for moms, there's this internal like churning in our stomachs of I need to be there. Like that's, you know, that's me. And I've had to let go of that, some of that over time because I had to have the kids go with their dad. But most of the time, I was just at book fair before this setting up for next week. And then I'm there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. 
and interspersed in that is my work, my actual like income that, you know, actually allows me to live in my house. And then I'm just at the book (laughs) fair, like, you know, dividing up $20 for people saying, oh, you can buy this book that's $5.99. And then this is how much you have left over. Like that's, and and I'm just there all the time. Mm. Helicopter mom is what James calls me. Hopefully not in a bad way, but I like to be there. But anyways, um, so to kind of summarize, so the, the gaslighting, question of gaslighting came up and people were really questioning me very seriously about whether I understood the definition of gaslighting. And so I want to just clarify again, gaslighting is when you're manipulating someone's reality. Right. And it doesn't mean that their reality has to be correct. It means, though, that you're questioning them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable and and they don't trust themselves. And so even if you had a psychotic patient that said, the sky is green and you're like, the sky is blue, how would you want to approach them? Would you want to shake them and be like, you're a fucking idiot. The sky is blue. Is that going to help them? It's not. So when you walk in and your wife is like, you're late. You said you're going to be home at 5.50 and you're like, no, I said I was going to be home at 6. You might say it once because maybe she'll be like, oh, yeah, whoops. There is a chance. There's definitely a chance that she's going to be like, oops, I'm a dummy. But there's also a chance that she's not. She's going to be insistent that, you know, she's right. And you're going to get a lot more out of your relationship if you sit down and you say, hmm, you're really mad. And I care that you're mad right now. Like you're going to get so much more out of that. So Mm. I just highly encourage all of my people to look and see what's deeper there. And that's where I absolutely love the book, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, because he goes into that in that book. That's fine. If someone's mad about something that's absolutely ludicrous can I see what's underneath their anger? Even if they're speaking nonsense, it's, it's all, it's emotion. It's, it's feeling it's, it's deeper than what's on the surface. And I think that's important in relationships because mm. I teach that a lot and I have a lot of aha moments without specific teaching. So, and I get validated in that by my own therapist, I get validated by James's therapist too. He says, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I, say, <laughs> I think that's a really good, right? Like you can take it in a way that's like, that's kind of comical, but also when you look at it, like, you know, for him, sometimes he's just 15 minutes too late for me. Not because we agreed that he was going to be home at that time but just because I'm struggling on that particular day and it's going to make our relationship a lot stronger if he just observes me and notices and and jumps in to start helping because, Hey, something's up with this woman. I don't know what it is, but. (laughs) (laughs) My, uh, my dad figured this out. He said he's been married for 30 years. Whenever my stepmother says anything, it doesn't matter what, my dad will just say, you're right. Yes, I did it. Yes, it was me. Every And I just, he learned this a long time ago. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Mm. Yeah. And people on TikTok are mad about that. They're like, no, 
I want my partner to realize that it's not about, because the thing is that you could take what you just said about your dad saying, yep, you're right. You could take that as your dad being in a very submissive role in his relationship. But honestly, the way that I look at it as you're in a pretty powerful role to be able to say, that's okay. You can have your moment. That's fine. You know, because even the most perfect of partners, no one's perfect, but even, even the best partners who are really good at keeping themselves in check have moments where they're just freaking out because we're allowed to have meltdowns. Like that just happens in life. Everything is not perfect. And so to be able to hold space for your partner and allow them to have a meltdown, even to honestly say some nasty things sometimes and just be able to hold that space for them and not freak out yourselves. But I think that yourself, but I think that what happens and we can also discuss this another time is we get triggered off of each other. So I get triggered and then you get triggered that I'm triggered. And then it causes this spiral where we're both not able to control ourselves and we both say and do things that we don't mean And so how do we manage that more constructively? All right. Thanks for listening.